Hi guys, welcome to the Church Split. My name is Will. You guys know what we do here. We help you escape your church's echo chamber, maybe to learn something new biblically. And normally we deal with dicey topics in the church, you know, exploring difficult, controversial topics. But we also deal with apologetics, which is really where my heart and soul resides. I love evangelism and reaching people for Christ. So today we have a special guest with us. We have Daniel with Daniel Apologetics on. He is uh, oftentimes bragged by Dr. Braxton Hunter at Trinity Radio as being the first person he's ever seen reach over a thousand subs in less than a year. So go check his channel out. You'll find they're not long videos like ours. They're actually, he tends to keep them very compact and right. Just, I don't know. They're very quick and snappy and very clean and you'll really like them there. So Daniel, how you doing, man? Oh, uh, thank you for having me. Will peace of Christ be with you and uh, all your listeners. It's good oh, to be thank here. Thank you so much, and you as well. I, uh, I'm really excited to have you on. I th appreciate you working with the time, the time difference between us. For people who do not know, you are living in Slovakia right now, right? That's right. I live in Slovakia with my yes, wife. Yes. So, well, there's we had to kind of coordinate this in a difficult way. So I really appreciate you being here. So real quick for people who you know, I want to talk about apologetics and get into all of that, which is of course where you and I both have a, a passion for. But I'd like people to get to know you a little bit. Who is Daniel? What is your background? What is it that you you know were you always raised Christian? Do you have a conversion story? How did all that look in your life? Well, uh, I don't have any juicy conversion story. I was uh, born and raised Christian. I talked to my mother the other day how, how she remembered it. And she said, well, you are quite special. I remember you being full on Christian as a five-year-old. So uh, I always had a faith in, uh, in God, apparently. And uh, well, that's, that's good. But it's no juicy conversion story. But uh, I think that we can appreciate uh, just uh, those kind of stories as well, being Christian all life. So uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. my story. Well, yeah, I mean, hey, it works. Uh, if, it, no, reason, no reason to have a juicy uh, conversion story. If you, there, it's not necessary, right? I mean, that's the thing. Our testimony is our testimony. <laughs> it means that you probably saved yourself a large headache so, <laughs> of having to go through one. <laughs> so anyway, I'm glad to have you on that. So my, the next question is, are, were you raised, because uh, I know, you know, especially over more uh, on that side of the pond, if you will, there's a large Catholic presence. So were you raised Catholic? Were you raised Protestant? Where were you as far as that was concerned? Well, uh, I will say that I have a charismatic background, uh, Protestant background, but uh, I now consider myself uh, Orthodox Catholic who protests a lot. <laughs> I am so stealing that. Uh, yeah, yeah, because I mean, labels, whatever you say, anything, right? What if you say I'm Catholic, I'm Protestant, I'm this, I'm that, a bunch of baggage comes with labels. Mm -hmm. So. That's very yeah, true. Yeah, so it's best. I have always uh, I just said I'm Orthodox Christian, and just Orthodox is such a broad term that just says I, I agree with the fundamentals. Mm -hmm. And, you know, everyone, everything else, we're just exploring our theology and trying to understand God better. Would you agree? I will absolutely agree, and uh, I'm with you. I prefer just calling myself a Christian who loves Jesus and uh, just trying to work my theology as good as I can as everyone else. Uh, so that, yeah. Awesome. And so the next thing I have is, so now you're doing apologetics and evangelism. So by, what got you there? Because different people tend to like, when they start getting passionate about ministry, they think of pastoral ministry, right? Like shepherding people, discipleship, and which is great and it's very relational. But then there's this other side, which is evangelism and learning how to communicate the faith to others. And both are needed. What got you into apologetics? Well, um, 
I will say that uh, it will have to go a little bit back. Uh, after I finished uh, my uh, my career as a football player, I was not Messi or Ronaldo or anything, but um, that was my uh, bread of life for 10 years. And uh, I, but I always had a, a strong faith in God, and uh, I do, I do love uh, God, and I love, I try to love people as best as I can. Not easy all the time, uh, but um, yeah, uh, it uh, came to the point that when I was sharing my testimony, because. Honestly, I did not know apologetics until my mid-twenties. I never heard the word, didn't know that it existed, didn't know anything about uh, arguments for God, uh, though I had like uh, my own arguments, which I found out later was a part of uh, continuously argument and, uh, and uh, ontological argument, moral, moral argument. Uh, I actually had that as a, a child, but I didn't know that was actual terms mm. and it was a thing. Um, but yeah... Uh, some, some, something like that I had in background, but uh, I, was, I didn't have um, any knowledge about apologetics. But it came to the point when I was sharing my faith, especially with people I didn't know so well or strangers, I, I saw that uh, just sharing my testimony just made me look like um, a crazy fanatic who uh, just sharing a crazy story. You know, uh, it, it didn't go through to them uh, in, in the way that uh, I wanted it to go. So... It uh, basically by by coincidence, I came over um, I came over a clip on on uh, Facebook, uh, which um, basically <laughs> it uh, I I was just hooked on it straight away. I don't remember uh, exactly w what it was, but um, it was very it was just started with this uh, I was sitting in a hotel room and just came over uh, something that was apologetic related and. Uh, that I browsed on YouTube for, and then I found all the big uh, apolog apologists that we know today, uh, more or less, and uh, I was just like hooked on it, and uh, I've been basically uh, been uh, absorbing it for the last five, six years, and um, then I started to uh, write blog, uh, but I work as a as a, I work on the computer all all the day, so. I, I don't like to write also after working on computer all day writing and then after blogging. So then I moved over to YouTube and started this channel one year ago. And um, and yeah, it has grown to more than 2,000 subscribers in, in, in one year. And uh, that's all glory to God. And uh, and I, I just, one of the reasons why I, why I, why I did it is because uh, you can't absorb all this information and not share it with people. Uh, I had to get it out of my system. Uh, I, I can't just be sitting here in, in my home office in Slovakia and not preach the gospel, not tell anyone about the best there there is, you know. So I had to get it out of my system. And what was better than, than YouTube and 2 billion YouTube users? That's so true. And that's the same, same thing. It's funny because I've been absorbing apologetics probably the last five, six years as well and became like you obsessed. And I, for me, it was this whole, uh, I was pastoring and some kids in the youth group were asking me tough questions. And I was like, that's a good question. So I looked it up and then I found, uh, this phrase apologetics and I was like, what is that? And so then I looked it up, I was like apologetics on YouTube and I hit it. And then of course, uh, Ravi Zacharias pulled up and then that started the entire rabbit hole of all of it. Like, I, yeah, that's why I found William Blaine Craig and all the rest. And like yourself, I was buying books like crazy. I'm going, I'm absorbing it. And then I had to be like, I'm so excited about this. And I'm so passionate about this. I got to talk to people about it. And so it became like a regular part of my ministry. And, uh, you know, even mm. though that's not a thing that the church split regularly focused 
focus is on all the time, it, eventually it'll be cool to go that direction more. But man, I, I totally relate with this where I'm like, yeah, I didn't, when I'd explain my testimony, people look at me like, okay, you're just a religious zealot. Like, that's all you sound like. You have, <laughs> you have no art, like, yeah. okay, but do you have a rational reason? And then the more you look into theology, you realize, and especially through apologetics, man, no, this makes sense with reality. So um, yeah. now I know now I know you're 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 married and whatnot. Did your wife also go go down this journey with you, or because my wife she totally is just like, okay, yeah, that's my husband's thing. I really don't care. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, my my wife is uh, is the same. It's uh, every time I start talking about apologetics or philosophy, she just rolls her eyes and just like, yeah, that's 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 nice. But don't become so philosophical, you know, and uh, all that stuff. You know, so she's like uh, she's like her and all my friends, and one day just they're just not interested. That's this is my thing, and apparently YouTube thing, and it works on the streets. Oh yeah, absolutely. No, it's funny because Brian, I got. Brian, he's behind the camera, but I got Brian involved in it, and now him and I geek out, and then everyone else at our, our friend's table is like, okay, these two, we're going to put them in their own separate room, which is why it's a good we have a project like this that we get to do. So, um, exactly. so, you, uh, so you do evangelism. Like you said, it works on the street. And that's what that's before COVID, you were doing street evangelism and using, and it sounded like you were using apologetics regularly while doing so. So, what can you just talk to us about some of your experiences in that? Because I think when people think street evangelism, they think walking around handing out tracks, or they think of a crazy guy standing on a platform in the middle of the park <laughs> screaming about repent or for the kingdom of God is at hand. What is, what is your approach and how does it work on the street? Mm -hmm. Yeah, so this is the thing. Uh, you're absolutely right. That's how people uh, basically think of street evangelism. But uh, there, is, um, there is a third uh, thing there, perhaps even more, but there is a third thing to do there. And that is uh, uh, what, well, what I do is uh, I approach uh, strangers and have private one-to-one -one conversation with them, take interest in them uh, and only them. And then... Uh, I uh, slow. I go into the gospel eventually, and uh, using apologetics and uh, evangelism like that. And this is the thing. Um, yeah, my channel is um, named Daniel Apologetics. It was really hard to come up with that name. Uh, but uh, <laughs> this, um, the thing is that uh, uh, when you put, um, I I can't see how apologetics and evangelism doesn't go hand in hand. Um, you know, and apologetics. I know that it is um, certain things of defending faith and all that, but I also think that you can throw in philosophy and uh, you can throw in polemics and uh, evangelism because I, I'm not doing apologetics to win argument, arguments. I am doing it for, uh, for trying to reach people with the gospel. And that's what I do on the street as well. Uh, I, uh, I, like we talked about just a minute ago, uh, it doesn't work so well for most people to just talk about your personal story because they would just think you are a lunatic, uh, well, a religious lunatic, you know? So what I do is I use apologetics uh, uh, more in my evangelism and then uh, and go into sharing the gospel eventually. So yeah, I, I just basically um, find some people, uh, strangers, and uh, I try to get like a dialogue and private conversation with them. I'm not running around um, 
or standing on a, a box in the street and screaming, repent, and you will go to hell if you uh, don't repent today, and throwing out, uh, I, 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 it's probably good to throw out tracks and everything and all, all that, but, but you just throw out the tracks and you don't know if they will, will they blow their nose with this track or uh, <laughs> if they uh, will actually read it. So I, I want to, I want to connect with, with, with people and, and, and share the gospel like that. I think that's, yeah, that's really fantastic. And that's what I've realized too. Like, we are told, like in Acts 17, we see Paul reasoned with people. And, you know, of course, it, the typical, the, like our, the apologetic slogan verses, you know, the first Peter 3.15, you know, be prepared to make a defense to anyone. Uh, but the thing is, is people, we live in such a westernized society where philosophy is kind of a normal th attachment to what we do. So it's so important when we're engaging with people to explore those areas with them and how it just keeps pointing back to Christ. So I love the fact that you do that. And we need to, I think, more pastors and people need to learn how to do this more, more effectively. So uh, now, mm -hmm. street evangelism, I'm sure, can get really, really spicy. <laughs> so um, my question, I, I, I just want to ask, what is one of the best experiences you've had, and then what's one of the worst experiences you've had? This would be fun. Well, uh, I, uh, I don't have, I, I, I don't know if I'm just uh, been very lucky or I'm, uh, I'm, I'm just very, very sweet guy. <laughs> At least that's what my, that's what my wife and mommy says all the time. <laughs> so. Uh, <laughs> No, but uh, I have. I don't have really. You will be quite surprised. Uh, maybe it can be an encouragement to your listeners. And but I don't have any very special juicy stories. Uh, I can say that uh, people will be surprised uh, of the type of uh, evangelism, street evangelism I'm doing. How uh, often people want to talk to you um, instead of listening to music uh, or looking at their phone. You just have to do. You just have to approach them, right? Um, because I will say that uh, three out of five has uh, accepted to talk to me uh, in my street evangelism time. Uh, so you just have to look for the right people. You have to don't uh, try to stop them when they're looking busy and, and everything. You know, try to find them if they are sitting and reading a book on the station or in the park or uh, or something, or they look like they have a good time, and then just be polite. Uh, Pray that the Holy Spirit will guide you to uh, find the right people to talk to. And uh, the same when you are talking, uh, pray that the Holy Spirit will open their hearts. And also the same when um, when they are leaving, that uh, what you sow will take root. Uh, that uh, whatever they we shared with them, that's good, that uh, the Lord will use it and, and draw them to himself. Um, so I don't have any very much juicy story like that because people really just uh, decline. Or or say yes. It's it's is that is that that's that's the thing. That's I I don't know what to say. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. No, that's great because it means it's not hostile, right? Like, and it shows the fact that I've noticed this too when I've talked to people. It's like most people aren't that hostile. It's just you got to work up the courage to go say hi. And generally speaking, it goes pretty well. Once in a while, I've had a couple ugly stories, but I'm pretty sure it's because I was downtown at my big city here, and that's where a lot of uh. And this area had a lot of drunks, and this guy was kind of out of his melon, so to speak. So when he was freaking out on me once, I was like, okay, 
you're just not in a position to be, you're not really coherent. And I think you're drunk and I'm pretty sure you won't remember this conversation tomorrow. Um, so I, I find, <laughs> have you also ever had, so obviously, cause your whole thing is planting a seed, right? So apologetics oftentimes is planting seeds. Have you ever gotten anyone to convert there with you? Or have you ever gotten somebody who came back later and thanked you and gave you that? So have you ever had that kind of experience or is a lot of seed planting? Well, first of all, let me just say that um, maybe it helps being uh, 230 pounds and six foot three uh, <laughs> that people will uh, will be nice to you. Uh, but uh, yeah, of course, I had some like uh, very like um, just uh, not interested and just get lost or something like I'm not interested. Uh, but that's pretty much the worst. But back to your question, um, uh, except. This was not street evangelism, but uh, when I was in college, um, long story short, I have interview of this, the full interview on my on my channel. But um, my uh, best friend was uh, in college. He was a very militant atheist, and uh, me and my friends, we were praying for him for three years. Uh, but he was really he was militant atheist, and um, I was trying to do apologetics, even though I didn't know what apologetic was, and I didn't know any arguments, more or less, just what I said before, and uh, using scripture and uh, reason as good as I could, and uh, we were just praying, praying for him for three years straight, uh, every day before school started, we have, I went to a Christian private school, so we had like a little living room there, we used to pray bef after breakfast, before school started, and long story short, short uh, on the, just one month before school finished, uh, he knocked on my door late at night because we were renting a house together, uh, together with two other friends. And uh, yeah, well, I could go much in details, but basically he became Christian. I prayed, <laughs> uh, prayed with him and he became Christian. And, and uh, today he is uh, working in Indonesia as a church worker. Wow. So he stuck the path. <laughs> See, and those types of stories just give so much hope to me where it's like, you know, no one's truly lost. Because some people meet these militant atheists and they get so turned off and scared of it. Like, oh, I can't talk to them. I can't talk to them. They're just so hostile about the faith. And it's like, no, yeah. patience and love goes a long way. And yet we have to remember yes. the gospel message is God's message. And we are just simply the vessels by which is given. So God yeah. can do the rest. All we have to do is give it. So I think that's fantastic. That's really cool. I've, uh, yeah, I, I, know. A, I used apologetics <laughs> once, uh, and I was able to get a friend of uh, Brian's who identified as Jehovah's Witness to accept Christ as the Lord, as the Lord and Savior biblically. But you know, I'd, otherwise, I've had other people where uh, we also saw one person who was agnostic who was coming to the church because their family made them go to church, and then this this girl ended up accepting Christ. There's a lot of, and it's really cool because it was actually through an apologetics seminar I did there, and and it like it clicked with this girl finally, and we were praying for her. So it was really cool to see that happen. So I think that's awesome. I love that. The street evangelism, I think, is way underutilized, and mainly because people don't know how to do it in an effective manner. Mm. And I, Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I just want to say also that you were mentioning something with seeds, and I think that's a big, uh, uh, that's a bad thing that many Christians are thinking, is that uh, if I don't get a, a conversion right there on the spot, it was a failure, and uh, I uh, shouldn't be doing this anymore, because very rarely does... Uh, uh, deconversion story uh, end like that. Very rare. Uh, it's a process. Uh, you need to. Uh, we we are sowing seeds. You need to uh, plant the seed. You need 
it, this seed will need water, it will need good soil, it will need sun, and eventually it will be time for harvest. And and if you hear someone who uh, was praying or evangelized to some people and they became Christian right there on the spot, be sure you did not lay the groundwork up until that point. There has been a lot of people in that person's life, a lot of things have been happening and they've been laying the groundwork, and you just got to do the harvest. We are not competing here. We are a body. We are a church. We are a body, and we are working together, and uh, we share the glory together in uh, in eternity, and we rejoice when people come to Christ. But it's not just that one person is, uh, is doing the full thing at uh, there and then. It's It's a process, and we need to get that out of our heads, that uh, if I don't get a conversion story right there and then... Um, then it was a failure. No, you you uh, preach the gospel. You you lay some uh, thumbtackers in their way, and they will step on it and will hurt them because you said some arguments, something that will draw them to Christ eventually. God willing, let's hope Abs- so. Pray yes, for it. and that's and that's actually uh, you know something. I'm glad you talked about it because that was something that always bothered me. People think you need to get a conversion, and it's not that. It's it's putting uh, the way Greg Kalkel puts it. It's like putting a pebble in the shoe. You know, getting something that's going to bother them, maybe. And you can be one seed planter amongst many seed planters. It takes all the workers of the harvest to eventually reap the harvest. But you got it. Like yeah. I said, it, there's a lot of things that that seed's going to need. So just being part of that long line. And you know what? You might be the guy who brings the harvest eventually. Finally, that person's ready. But like you said, there's probably other people all the way down that line before that you are finally just seeing the, the, the fruits of that labor. So I, that's great, mm-hmm. and I think that's a great reminder for Christians also not to get too nervous about it, not to think that they, they're terrible at it. It's not that at all. So, um, then, so the next thing is, is with apologetics is there's so many arguments for God's existence, and there's also evidences that we can just look at reality and how it connects. So um, with apologetics, how what would you say are some of the most effective arguments you've made with people regarding uh, regarding God's existence? Yeah, that's that's a good question. I mean, there are, like you said, there are many uh, cases that could be made, many arguments, there are many evidence. You could look at history, philosophical um, arguments, and scientific even. Uh, but um, I will say that, well, I'm, I'm like more like, a, I don't know what kind of term to put on me, like an uh, apologist, but I'm more like a cumulative case thing. Like, uh, it's 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 not just that it's one super big argument, even though there are bigger arguments than others. Uh, it's 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 the it's the it's the amount of them. There are just so many that uh, atheist or something that that would bother me. Uh, those those things because uh, I just really think like William Lane Craig put it so nice. It's God is the best explanation, and um, I will say well, we are uh, not. Um, I will say that the inner witness of the Holy Spirit is the strongest argument, uh, but uh, that is not for uh, someone you can maybe use to um, to evangelize to others, because that comes from the Holy Spirit when you are humbling yourself and uh, kneeling and uh, submitting to God. But if I would say the um, my best, my favorite argument, I will say uh, it's not the, it's not uh, like it's uh, it could be better. But the minimal facts for the resurrection of Jesus Christ, that was one of the arguments when I first got started, and it's still today. That's something that really I think is, it's not maybe the, it could be better, 
what is really good. It is uh, minimal facts. Basically, it's uh, you sh you probably know it, and probably your listeners as well. But it's an uh, approach that Gary Habermas used uh, together with uh, Mike Lacona, and um, it's basically minimal facts around the resurrection of Jesus Christ that even skeptical scholars uh, agree to, and uh, it's um, confirmed by history, and uh, it's just really, really powerful. I made a video that I will encourage people to check out because I don't like to uh, um, show an argument and then defend the premises. That will take so much time. So I have a video on my channel called If I Just Had Two Minutes. That's the name of the of the video. If I Just Had Two Minutes. And that you can also see some of the case I present when I'm in the street evangelism as well. I use I use this kind of uh, reasoning and argument. No, okay. And uh, so, what would be some of the minimal facts? So, uh, my my listeners, here's the thing: is even though I'm an apologetics nerd, I have not focused as much of it on my channel. I've more had people like yourself on and others who do apologetics regularly. I try to network and point people to other main apologetics channels. We're mostly a theology and church channel currently. So. What would you say for those who are who are our listeners? What would you say were, are some of the minimal facts that all historians or mostly all New Testament scholars, both atheist, skeptic, and Christian, all agree to? And why do you think it's a powerful argument? Well, the the first one we there normally um, Gary Habermas and Michael Conn they use all between three to six. You can you have more, you can have less, but uh, some of the basic ones or so the most normal one are. Um, Jesus' death by crucifixion, that's one. And uh, there's also, not maybe not all, but most of them, and for obvious reason, that Jesus was uh, buried, uh, the tomb was empty, and the uh, disciples, they uh, had something happen to them. Uh, they, this, the skeptical scholars will not say that they did see the risen Jesus, but they will say that they had some kind of experience that transformed them from being scared hiding to go out and, and uh, proclaim the gospel and being willing to being willing to die for it um, and just uh, that's that's basically it um, but it's it's actually very powerful when you check it up towards uh, history and uh, the other um, other things that followed. Right. And th the thing is about that is, you know, as I always talk to people about the minimal facts when I do it, it's like, okay, first off, you have to understand what theories best explain it, right? We have an empty tomb. We have a crucified. Say we have a crucified Jesus. Um, he definitely died by Roman crucifixion because Romans are professional killers. There's no way they somehow screwed that up. They were pretty good at it. Um, <laughs> then we see the fact that all the disciples basically died horrific deaths because they refused to say that they did not see the risen Christ. So it's like well, we definitely have an empty tomb. We have a buried man. We have a dead man. And then you have people who their lives changed drastically and were willing to die for. You don't die for a lie that you made up. You know, and there's no, and just when you say that, because people think like sometimes that like these first century Jews were just like they must have been like cavemen, right? Well, they're just crazy. Well, no, they're like you and me. You and I both know people don't come back from the dead. That's what made it special. Yeah. That's what made these people go crazy and go, well, we have to tell people because I traveled with this guy for three and a half years and I saw him come back. You know, I think that's so when you start explaining that part, just that those few evidences for the resurrection alone make yeah. a powerful case to say, yeah, he probably did raise from the dead. <laughs> yeah, and I mean, it's, it's quite interesting to think about it. I mean, 
the most historical and influential figure to ever walk the earth is a carpenter from a small village in the Middle East 2,000 years ago. And look, look what uh, he has done 2,000 years later. Look what's going on in the world. I mean, that's, that's crazy. And um, that is because those minimal facts are true. And they uh, and there's more that's true than those minimal facts. Exactly, Christ is risen. Absolutely, and so he he is risen and he reigns today. And that's one of the things that you know we literally like we time our history with BC and AD, and Christ is the center of that of what splits history. Like he is such a central figure, and he is the most influential figure of all time. And you can't help but go, well, is it all just because, I mean, when you really think about it, it's almost seems the more you think about it, the more absurd it would have to be to deny the fact that there's something there with Jesus Christ. Even mm. if you're the most skeptical person ever, you have to recognize that there is something here. And so anyway, I just find that really fascinating. The minimal facts is definitely Mike Lycona, Gary Habermas, they've done a great work with that. And it's allowed yeah. a lot of us to be able to use it effectively. Um, the next thing is, so that's, so you like to use the resurrection argument uh, a lot, which is great because you're gospel focused. So of course that seems like the natural. Um, so outside of, so you use that a lot and has that been pretty effective? Like have, pe have people like responded with like, wow, I've never even known that before. Like, Historians agree. Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah. Well, the, the thing is, before the uh, the coronavirus uh, time, um, I was doing uh, things in the street, but now with social distancing and uh, and everything, so it's not so easy. And everything here in Slovakia is closed, except from uh, except from uh, supermarkets and pharmacies. Mm. And uh, the thing is that um, I um, when 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 I um, well, no, I uh, sorry, my wife just went into the room and I lost my train of thoughts. <laughs> you're uh, good. You're good. Yeah, she's so pretty, so I just had to look at her. You know, <laughs> getting those brownie points. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Good yes. Job. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So we we're talking about the yeah the, the um the last time I was using uh, it uh, and again times changed after this coronavirus. It's not well everything is closed here like i said there's pharmacies and supermarkets are open schools restaurants shopping centers everything is closed here in slovakia so it's not not a good time for doing street evangelism but when i used it last time in norway on the central station of oslo uh, before i was flying back here um at least that i have on video and people can see it for myself it's one of the first videos i made obviously i don't film every time i'm doing it uh, but i plan to to film more of those uh, interactions but there was a skeptic who um, was uh, quite smart. He was uh, going on university and uh, was uh, he, he, he was an academic, um, but he actually thought uh, believed in the swoon theory that uh, Jesus Christ actually didn't die, but that he just like fainted uh, on the cross and and people thought that he was dead and everything. So basically, that's one of these uh, one of the many um, ex alternative explanations to explain the resurrection. Many Muslims use it. Um, that uh, he believed, though, and uh, so I, uh, I basically uh, corrected him and showed him through uh, logic and reason and evidence and history and all that this is uh, not uh, what happened, and that made him, um, that made him, uh, well, he, w he would think about it, and I, he was encouraged to study this more and look more into Jesus Christ uh, as a historical Jesus. Now, I, yeah, that's that's awesome. And see, that's the thing. It's like when you 
the swoon theory is one of those ones that's like, well, you really think the Romans don't know how to tell when someone's dead? Like, and so <laughs> they literally stabbed him afterwards just to make sure. Yeah. So I find that to be, yeah. Uh, yeah I, I, and also for him to be walking and talking soon after, after being beaten as bad as he was, this is a little, this is a little, uh, yeah. I don't know. I sprained my ankle and I have a hard time walking around, let alone being nailed to something and walking around with my hands open anyway. But, uh, yeah, of course, and be inside a tomb for um, for three days or so, like uh, uh, in cold uh, tomb shadow <laughs> and uh, bleeding, and then coming out and showing himself disciples. I don't think the first thing disciples would see is that oh, he's risen. <laughs> I would say like you need you need, come <laughs> up, you need doctor. Uh, Somebody go get Luke. We need Luke. He's the physician. Yes, get Luke. Get Luke. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, exactly. So I I think I think that's great. So all right, outside of the resurrection case, because uh, that's that's a historical case, right? We're making a historical claim there. What is your favorite mm. philosophical argument for God's existence? Well, I will say the, the cosmological arguments I, I like because uh, I think they are quite bulletproof and they are still alive and well today. Um, that would I mean Kalam argument and um, and contingency argument. Uh, those, those, I think, even you can go to uh, to define theological arguments. Um, those, I think, are um, at least a good uh, way of uh, pointing people to showing the existence of God. And of course, the resurrection is uh, where you draw the gospel in, and Jesus Christ. Right, absolutely. I, um, I think my favorite argument, personally, I've always really enjoyed the moral argument. And I think the reason why I enjoy the moral argument so much is that we live in a postmodern age where everyone says you can come up with your own beliefs and your own thoughts and feelings about uh, morality all the time. So it's funny because then you start, well, you give them the moral argument and now it puts them in a conundrum. We have outrage and people want all these other things that are immoral, but then they, I don't know, it's like our culture wants to ha have their cake and eat it too. And so I love using the moral argument because it creates so much cognitive dissonance. Yeah, uh, I agree. I agree. It's, uh, it's a lot of fun. Yeah, it, it definitely the, the moral argument, consciousness, uh, uh, because, you know, and soul, because those things, moral argument, consciousness, that, that speaks to everyone. Everyone can relate to that because we, we all have it and we all have uh, a sense of it that uh, there are object um, moral duties and, and, and all this. So... I think that also is a very good because just it, it hits everyone um, right there on the spot, no matter what background you have or uh, or such. Yeah, exactly. So and, and it's very practical in that sense, which is funny because Dr. William Lane Craig, he always talks about how his favorite is the Kalam, but the one that he's found to be most effective with people is the moral, which is like it pains me to say it because I love the Kalam. Because like I said, the Kalam is so uh, bulletproof, right? It's just yeah. everything that begins to exist has a cause. Okay, boom, there it is. And no, and it's really hard to argue that premise. So, uh, yeah, I, I, you know, so anyway, um, now I just out of fun curiosity as we come to a close here, because I don't want to take too much of more of your time. Um, but who is your favorite apologist? This is just always fun. What's if you were like looking at all the apologists, which one's your favorite? Well, oh, that is a hard question yeah. because there are there are so many good. Uh, I, I could mention so many, and uh, <laughs> well, there's different genres as well. You know, it's uh, like uh, when it comes to uh, Islam, for example, is folk, apologetics focused on Islam. Obviously, you have uh, David Wood, Sam Shimon, Christian Prince, um, even like Hatun Tash and Jay Smith and all these. Uh, 
Bob Christian, so many of them on that side. But uh, then we have, of course, the, the more uh, directed towards atheism and all. Um, whew, I mean, William Lane Craig is uh, one of a kind, of course. But it's so boring to choose him and uh, <laughs> because everyone else will. I, I think uh, also that uh, Braxton Hunter and... Uh, Trinity Radio, with, together with, uh, but Braxton Hunter together with uh, Jonathan Pridget, but Trinity Radio, it is, um, is underrated. It's, it's really, uh, Braxton Hunter is a very good apologist. Uh, we, I look forward to see more of him in the coming years. So, I mean, we have uh, John McRae from What You Mean um, Meme and uh, Michael Jones. I, was, I, w- I, w- I think I will land on uh, a bold... Uh, Braxton, a bold Michael Jones, giving. I've just put, put the re- reference to Braxton Hunter there. So, I would say a, a, a hybrid of uh, Braxton Hunter and uh, Michael Jones from Inspiring Philosophy. Yeah, that's actually great because it's funny. I'm like, it's always so easy to go with Gary Habermas with his resurrection case. It's so easy to go with. Mike Lycona and William Lane Craig. Everyone knows them, of course, but when. When yeah, I think yeah. of like my favorite apologist, I'm always like, I, ha- I and if Braxton watches this, it's going to be really awkward as we fanboy. But Braxton is literally, I think, my favorite. I go to Trinity Radio all the time, and I just love everything he puts out, and I love Michael Jones as well. But it's like, I don't know. Mm. I guess it's just I think he's a a very underrated. Both of them actually, him and Inspiring Philosophy are much a much underrated uh, apologist. So I, anyway, I always thought it'd be fun because you're an apologetics nerd. Oh, go. I have to. I. Have- I forgot. I now I feel bad. I didn't say Frank Turek. I didn't, didn't oh, yeah. say. But I didn't say Bob from Soko Films and Soko Films. Uh, I, I like uh, I them too. So I'm so I get Habermas. Of course, I feel so sorry because I, I should mention all this. This show should just be me mentioning all the apologists that I've been dragging something from. <laughs> well, yeah, no. Frank Turek is definitely one of my favorites. I love Frank Turek. He's got this like fun little jovial humor mm-hmm. thing that he does yes. with his stuff. Mm-hmm. I I just enjoy that. I, I he just seems like a guy I would probably get along with really well. Yeah. So, yeah, um, yeah. Uh, yeah. One my first uh, my first apologetics book was I don't have enough faith to be an atheist. Me too. <laughs> so I walked into the bookstore and I was first into apologetics and I saw it sitting on the uh, on the. Uh, on the uh what's not the counter the the shelf wow bookshelf duh anyway and i saw i was like i don't have enough faith to be an atheist well that's a bold claim like just a really bold punchy book so i got it and i loved it and then i just ate everything else up so (laughs) great um yeah it's a good book yeah absolutely so well uh that's really great and i i I know you do do some things with muslims once in a while right like you you Mm -hmm. interact with them um Okay, we have a couple seconds here, uh, real quick, just oh, to make keep up for going, time. Keep going. This okay. is great. All right. So, what is your, uh, what has been your interaction like with the Muslim community? Well, I, uh, I actually have a lot of Muslim friends uh, uh, that I got from before and after my 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 career as a footballer, and uh, I, I I I love them, and that's why I want to share the truth with them, gospel truth, and. Um, I haven't had uh, so much uh, bad interactions with them uh, uh, in person. Get it, of course, on uh, online. But everyone is brave uh, online, <laughs> yeah. And uh, that that doesn't bother me, uh, you know. Uh, I of course get some comments on uh, the videos I make, but um, 
But that, that's that's pretty much it, you know. Uh, uh, jihad war, uh, jihad warriors, keyboard jihadists, like David Wood says. <laughs> it's it's mostly mostly that. And uh, but yeah, I, I I love Muslims and I want to share the gospel with them. So yeah. uh, that, that's pretty much it. Yeah, I agree. And, and of course, everyone. Oh <laughs> right, yeah, everyone. absolutely. No, uh, yeah, for sure. I um yeah, no. Doctor David Wood is probably one uh, one of the best ones I go to when it comes to Islam, even though he is really punchy. Like I always tell people, like I recommend this channel, but just so you know, it's not Mister Nice Guy playing nice. It's going to be someone who's a little bit more uh, bold and pushes back a bit more. So anyway, but um, well, Daniel, I really appreciate your time, and I thank you so much for being involved. Now, my question I ask every guest because. The church split is all about uniting the divided body. We fight, we argue over all these tertiary issues, that, and Christians can be some of the worst people when it comes to unity toward one another. So mm. let me ask you this. How do you believe that your ministry can help unite the divided body of Christ? Well, that is a good question. There is, um, It's actually something I plan to address in, um, in coming video, because it is an important thing. Well, actually, I um, I wrote some 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 words down because I really want to get this uh, get this out because this is this is uh, what you and I have very much in common there at Church Split because um, you know it's we have our differences but the the thing is that you know um, God's unity uh, God's triunity um, Christ virgin birth. Uh, Christ's sin, sinlessness, uh, Christ's deity, uh, the necessity of uh, God's grace, necessity of uh, faith, uh, Christ's atoning death, um, Christ's uh, uh, bodily resurrection, the bodily ascension, Christ's uh, intercession, and Christ's physical return. That's like 14 things, big things that that we all share, doesn't matter if you are Calvinist or Catholic or anything in between. Those are big things as well. I know that there, there are important second uh, in-house discussions, and they are serious and big deal, of course, I, I'm not saying that. But there are also some things, many core important big things that we have in common. And we need to uh, start, um, I think that it's time that we, we acknowledge that, because the thing is that there are um, 309 million Christians around the world who are in risk of severe persecution this year, in 2021, according to World Watch uh, uh, reports um, from Open Doors. And 13, 13 Christians, 13 brothers and sisters in Christ are on average killed every day for their faith. Wow. And um, according to uh, World Health Organization, uh, there are... Um, between 40 and 50 million abortions every year. That's 125,000 every day on average. And we need to we need we need to stop this. Uh, I I like I said, I'm not saying it's important this uh, this uh, in second in-house discussions. I'm not saying that, but we need to acknowledge what we really have important. This core, many very so many core facts that unites us. These are big deals as well. And we need to start work more together and um, and work against this because this this Lord have mercy this is really bad this is really bad that's uh, this is this is something that we need to fix we need to unite and uh, I will do uh, 
what I can through my ministry to uh, to share that message, uh, and uh, that uh, this is something that all Christians will stop up and think a little bit about. That uh, well, we we really need to, um, you know, everyone. It's 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 hermeneutical uh, issues we have. We are putting pressure on uh, on the text differently, and uh, I just really think that it's 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 you know, a body is. Um, a body of a body has many parts, you know, um, but a body also works together, and that's something we need to think about. A body is connected. A body works together. So even though we have many parts in Christ on this side of heaven, uh, it will be a divided body, um, but this body can still work together because that's what body does. Yeah, that's I couldn't have said it better myself. It's especially when we see our our world going further and further into like atheism and agnosticism. It's like you know. We gotta stop fighting each other. We have a we have yeah. a real enemy, and that's Satan. We have a real enemy, and it's sin. And you know, the only cure is Christ. So yes, we can have those conversations. And you know, what's funny is that before this, you and I were just talking. Uh, you know, the last couple of weeks over Messenger and joking around, having a good time. And then I have you on here, and we're talking about our love for Christ. And you know, what's funny is I never once asked you, uh, or even really cared to ask you about your position exactly on how soteriology works. How, how are you a Calvinist? Are you an Arminian? Are you Molinist? Are where are you, where are you, Daniel? And if you disagree with me, I can't fellowship with you. That was never on the table because we have this unity in Christ. And I want to see more of this in the church because I think once we start doing that, we can cross yeah. over denominational lines and become a force for the gospel. And that's what we Amen. need. And so I'm that is what I, I love that. You know, like you said, we have hermeneutical differences where we we put different pressure on the text, but that's it. You know, okay, so but we can have those conversations. If I disagree with you, you know, if I'm ever in Slovakia, which I don't see myself getting there anytime soon, but if I'm ever in Slovakia and you and I sat down, you and I should be able to sit down and discuss where we differ in our theology while also being brothers brothers and walking away loving each other, even if we disagree on something. And Yeah, absolutely. Because you know what? In, in heaven, there's going to be a lot of people that you don't like and had different theolo theological position than you had in this life here on Earth. Exactly. It's gonna be it's gonna be a lot of them. So you better get used to it, and you better start uh, you better start seeing eye to eye and get around, have fellowship, and let's work uh, towards um, the principalities, the dark forces in this world that uh, is controlling. Um, because uh, that that's that's what we are called to do. Exactly, and uh, you know it's funny. There's a there's a quick joke, and then we'll go ahead and close out. But there's this joke. <laughs> I was raised independent fundamental Baptist. Now this is a thing that's a really American phenomenon. So I was raised in this extremely separatist movement, and of course the more I'm in it, the more I'm like this doesn't line up with the Bible I'm reading. I don't know about you guys, <laughs> because I was raised in that. Uh, one of the funniest jokes that I've ever heard was uh you know what somebody uh, this this uh. Christian guy dies, he goes to heaven, he's getting a tour of heaven, and they're walking around, and the angel's like, yep, there's so-and-so's mansion, there's Peter's over there, and Paul's, and all oh, over here, everyone's just celebrating and worshiping, and then they get to the top of this hill, they see, and there's this, like, little group of people off over there, they're like, oh, who's that? They're like, oh, that's the Baptist. They don't know the rest of us are here yet. <laughs> so, and don't talk to them. So, and it's just funny, because that's the way sometimes I think people view heaven, like, only my people are going to be there, and that's not the way it's going to be. So, And you're probably going to get to heaven no. and realize that some of your theological positions were wrong. Um, you know, and the, the Jews did the same thing when it came to Christ. Like They thought the Messiah figure was going to be a warrior king, and then next thing you know, he dies for them. And you know, <laughs> So it's like, yep. 
you know, we, a lot of times we think we have it figured out and we don't. But, you know, I do know that we were given the gospel. And so that's pretty clear cut and dry. So let's at least be passionate about that and be united. So I love that. Thanks. Thanks so much, Daniel. So real quick, guys, if you haven't already, um, go to Daniel Apologetics, subscribe, binge his channel. There's, it's not three hour long debates. There is there's stuff that is digestible. It's something that is well-produced. It's something you can go there and get something from in even six minutes. His, uh, he recently did a fall of man video. I really enjoyed it. I'm doing a sermon on it in like two weeks. So I kind of munched on his little video there and guys go check it out. Give the man some, some, some love and he helped you out. Um, so, consider supporting him in some way. So Daniel, do you have any closing remarks before we let you go? No, uh, I would just say thank you for having me on. I appreciate uh, you and uh, the work that uh, and the passion that you have, uh, you guys over at Church Split. And uh, I am glad to call you my, uh, my brother in Christ. And uh, I hope uh, we will uh, do this again sometime. Thank you for yeah. having me. Yeah, no problem. Thank you for coming on, and I'd love to do this again. And, you know, if I don't get to meet you in this life, I'm excited to, to, to shake hands with you on the other side. So I will give you uh, a man hug then, I oh, will. Oh, yeah, man hug. Don't, don't make it, like, too embracey, yeah. though, but, like, yeah, definitely man hug, a little bit of, like, a rope pull me. Anyway, yeah. okay. <laughs> Thank you all, guys. Thank you so much for tuning to the church split, and take care, and God bless.